Um, let's stand and pray together. Father, we thank you um, that we can gather here. We thank you that we can praise you. We thank you that we can know you. And we thank you um, most of all for the gift of your son. And it's because of him and his work, his uh, death, his shed blood, that we can enter into the holy place. We ask today, Lord, that you would uh, just remind us of the value of that precious blood, of that costly death, and that uh, we, your people, would proclaim it to the world. We ask it, Lord, for your glory and for the name of Jesus, in which we pray. Amen. I was thinking about having a testimony today. We'll do it. You want to you do it? Yeah. All right. Hannah, uh, we have a new couple in our church. Um, <laughs> Josh and Hannah Haram are, gonna, are, are new, new to our church. And they're going to they're gonna give a testimony. Well, they are a new family. They're a new family. Do you understand that they're a new family? That family didn't exist a month ago. It's a new thing. Okay? A totally new thing. Uh, they're going to share a, a word of testimony with us briefly. I say briefly, but sometimes Hannah's like her dad. You, you got a mic? Oh, yeah. That way you can interrupt me when I... You got some reverb, Justice. No, I'm just kidding. So, um... I think most of you know us, but if any of you don't, we're Josh and Hannah Harum. Um, that's new, like four weeks new, right? Yeah. Yep, four weeks. So um, we're just going to share briefly with you guys, hopefully briefly. Um, we're going to give you a really short pitch. snippet of our personal testimonies of um, giving our lives to Jesus. And then actually what uh, we, we kind of wanted to focus on was some of the testimonies of the way God's been moving lately um, in our lives that really goes along with what um, pastor's been talking about. Um, just about the Lord setting up divine appointments for us to share the gospel with people and some really cool stuff has been happening. So we just want to share that stuff with you guys. Um, but I will very briefly just share with you, for those of you who don't know, I'm a pastor's kid. Belong to the bearded man there. And, uh, and I grew up in an awesome Christian home, but it's really easy to grow up in an awesome, awesome Christian home and not be in love with Jesus Christ. Um, and so it wasn't until I was about 17 or 18 that I really pushed and said, I need to know what I believe. Um, and I was going to college at the time, and so I kind of started from scratch. And I said, all right, I'm going to look at this whole thing as if it wasn't true to the best of my ability. And... Um, as I began to study the Gospels to see what um, the Bible really said about Jesus, because I knew a lot about Christianity, but the man, the God-man Jesus, as a real human, was not in my framework the way that he, he should have been. So as I started um, studying the Gospels, the Holy Spirit just encountered me. And I fell in love with Jesus. And I distinctly remember reading um, in Isaiah, and it was like, the presence of God in my room. And, and I knew this thing is real. And not only is, is, is this thing real, but this thing isn't a thing. It's a person. And he really died on real cross, really saved me from my sins. And he's really coming back again. And he's really completely good. Like he's completely good. He's totally worthy of, of our, our full heart, our full love. And so um, that's the moment where I really gave my yes to the Lord and um, began to actually live in communion with him and everything changed after that. Um, and so that was sort of the beginning of my journey with Jesus, but I'm going to let Josh share a little bit of his, um, mine's a little messier. <laughs> no, uh, my parents were also in the ministry. My parents were missionaries, uh, for 12 years to the middle East and European, I mean, refugees, Muslim refugees in Germany and Austria. So I was born over overseas and I grew up in, I remember Turk, Turkish men being in our house, like drinking their Turkish tea and my dad, like sharing the gospel with them, like, and, you know, showing the Jesus film at home and stuff like that. So my parents are definitely like fully given their lives to the kingdom. 
Um, but I was the fourth born and all my older siblings were like the perfect angel Christian children. But I was kind of like a little bit reckless, a little bit out there and, uh, just trying to like step outside the box a lot. And, um, so that ended up, that took me to like when I was in high school, just like running away from home, uh, skipping school, getting into drugs and alcohol and all sorts of like partying and everything like that. And so I would say, like, I, though I was baptized when I was 12 uh, in in water, I didn't receive what John talked about, Jesus saying, like, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I don't believe, um, because I didn't see evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in my heart. I didn't have the power to overcome this world and sin. And Jesus, you know... Jesus said the holy the one who's coming will will help you to remember all that I said and I think one of the main roles of the holy spirit is to keep Jesus first in our heart even though everything in life may try to suck us away from him like he and that wasn't there from like 12 to 19 but when I was 19 I had finished I, 18 I finished high school and I had a couple crazy things happen first I had like an overdose on a on a hardcore drug and I had an out-of-body experience. I had a near-death experience, and I even I cried out to God in that moment, and I said, "God, give me five more minutes on this earth." That's how <laughs> desperate I was. Like I knew this was the end of my life, and I've only lived 18 short years, and so nothing really happened in that moment. I mean, He spared my life, but th- th- one of the key things I got was that like life is precious. And we can die at any moment. And I've used that throughout, like, since being saved to share the gospel with people. Because, like, when people are denying the gospel when I've shared it with them, I'm like, well, you don't know what could happen to you today. Mm-hmm. You could have, you could get in a car wreck. You could have a brain aneurysm. Like, th- we, this life is not a guarantee. And that's what I learned, like, that time. Then the second thing when I was 19 was uh, I, I met a kid yeah, my story is it's it's messy cuz I met a kid who had done some drugs that I had done too and he he told me this story of how he like locked himself in his room and he he hung himself and the paramedics revived him and he was sharing this story and he had all this like bad brain problems now like he had dyslexia, he had aller- new allergies, like none of these things he had before and he was just this 16-year-old kid and he's telling me this story and my heart something in it was like Tell him that God loves you and God has a purpose for your life. Even though you have all these new problems, God still loves you and God has a purpose for your life. But then my head was like, wait, you do drugs too. How can you tell him that? And, and so, and so I was like, oh, that sucks. You know, I just kind of blew him off. Like, I was like, man, that sucks. I did, but I knew I had a word for him. And like, and then a couple weeks later, he went to jail and he committed suicide. And when I heard about that, it hit me. And the Holy Spirit said to me, like, you know the life you should be living. Now live it. Like, live it for Jesus. Because every, uh, every person we come in contact with is a domino effect for their eternity. And so that's what I learned that, that, that time was, like, if I was only living for Jesus, in that moment I would have been able to give him a word of life. Instead, I just gave him a word of death. And who knows who, where that kid would be today if I was actually saved a little bit earlier. But it was a lesson that the Holy Spirit taught me. And then I went to jail for five days. And in jail I was thinking about, what am I going to do with my life? And... I'm like, I'm just partying, this is stupid, like, I'm just living life for immediate pleasures, and that's what a lot of people around us are doing, right? Like, they're just, I mean, I was one of those people, just living life, like, day to day, hang out with my friends, skateboard, you know, smoke some weed, all that kind of stuff, and and it just clicked, it's like, there must be more to life, and like, though I, I, knew, I believed in Jesus even at that time, but I wasn't living for him. And I feel like the, the last revelation that kind of pushed me over the edge to fully give my life to Christ, like, and the full surrender that really wasn't, I wasn't able to do when I was 12. I don't know why. I don't know how the whole, like, thing works where, like, you're actually saved, saved, <laughs> instead of, like, you think you're saved. <laughs> because, like, when I was 19, it was like I finally got pushed over the edge, and the revelation was like, this life is short, and 
and eternities forever. And I believe in Jesus, but he didn't call people to just believe in him, did he? He called people to lay down their life, take up their cross and follow him. And so I started sharing with my druggy friends and being like, why don't we, like, we're all, from Alabama, everybody knows Christ. Like, they know Christ. They don't know him here. Um, they've been to church their whole, you know, it's the Bible Belt, like, at its finest. And uh, so, so all my friends, like, I met them in church, but now we're all, like, doing drugs and partying. And so I was telling them, why don't we actually live for Jesus every day? We don't just believe while in they're him. high, mind you. He's yeah. saying these things, yeah, which or I think drunk is hilarious. Or whatever. And I'm, I'm, sh- I'm evangelizing my friends <laughs> while I'm still high. And I'm like, dude, we need to stop doing the things we're doing. Like, we need to really live for Jesus every day, every hour, every minute. And so, but none of them would turn their lives around. And finally, after a month, I was like, I have to do this for myself, even if my friends don't come with me. I got to do this. So I left America, actually, because I was like, if I stay in this context, I'm never going to break break free. And so I signed up for a discipleship school with Youth with a Mission, um, a great mission organization that has bases all around the world. And I left America, and I just basically submerse myself in a Christian community where, like, the only people, you're, people you are around all the time were Christians. And I think that was key to, like having my life changed and and the third day of uh my discipleship school um i was really repenting i was weeping and actually my body started even shaking i didn't even know what was going on i was just weeping and shaking and all over like it felt like i was having some kind of seizure or something (laughs) and i was like i didn't know what was going on i'm like am i having a seizure or something i was weeping and i was repenting for all the things that i had done and and like really after that moment there was like fire in my chest and and the next time I opened the Bible I remember being like these are the words of God like it wasn't I had read the Bible throughout my childhood and had it written written read to me but uh it was like man these are the words of God literally written down and I read the whole Bible in like four months and kept reading it over and over so that's that's how I got saved so Josh and I um, currently uh, are you gonna are you gonna share about Pierre? Yeah. Is that your plan? I'm I'm gonna share about Pierre and the lady at Walmart. <gasps> oh yeah. Okay. Um, so 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 They're right. Short. So Josh and I have both done missions overseas and are really passionate about the nations, but we're also just passionate about people knowing Jesus. Um, we're both also really interested in different forms of art, right? So both do music, he does film. So we want to see the kingdom in those ways. But regardless of where we are and what God has us doing as our like formal occupation, still the goal is like for people to know Jesus. So I'm just going to share a quick story. Um, the other, the other day, probably what, two or three weeks ago, two weeks ago, I guess we were sitting in the apartment. And for those of you who don't know, we live downtown in an artist community. It's really lost, um, really dark, awesome apartment, but really lost, really dark. Um, and so I was praying that morning and, and I was just, just with the Lord and reading the word. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit gave me a picture of a guy in my head and he was tall, kind of thin, um, African-American. His dreads were like pulled back in a very specific way. And he had a backpack on his back and was walking like very determinedly. And he had rainbow socks on. And I was like, okay, Holy Spirit. Yes. (laughs) You know? And so I was like, Josh, I think later today we need to go out and just walk around the city and see if I can find this guy. I was like, okay, sure. Yeah. (laughs) Let's go. Let's go. So um, so later that night, fast forward, the whole day goes on. We do what we have to do that day, get to the evening and we decide to go out and we were actually both kind of tired and we didn't really, yeah, we had just eaten dinner and then we're like, Oh, should we watch a TV show or, and I'm like, I'm actually intrigued. I want to see if we can <laughs> find this guy. Like, let's just go out and see if see it's the Holy spirit or like, you know, I, I love this book also, uh, by Lauren Cunningham. It's called, is that really you God? And it's just a kind of about this whole idea of like when you hear something like that, it's like, is that really you? You know, and and it's all these stories of people doing these kind of crazy things. 
and just responding in simple faith, right? Because all I had to go on was God gave me this picture, and I know Jesus needs to be made known. So we go out. um, We're walking around the city, and we don't see the guy. And Josh is like, is it that guy? Is it that guy? Is it that guy? I'm like, no, no, I'll tell you when I see the guy. And so so we're like on the last kind of road that we would walk on before we turn to go back to the apartment. And sure enough, we see this guy coming down the street, backpack on, hair pulled back just like I saw. I'm like, that's the guy. But he had pants on, so I didn't know if he had rainbow socks on, right? So I'm like, okay, whatever. It's irrelevant. That's the guy. And um, Well, I was like, Hannah, is that him? He's walking fast. He's got he's got the backpack. He's got the dreads pulled back. And then he walked closer, and and, and I'm like, she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk to him or something. I was like, okay, hey man, hey, hey, how how are you? And then he was actually like, he was so funny. He's like, man, I haven't seen you in forever. He he recognized me, and we were like, he he was like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I haven't seen you. Good to catch up, and like. But I'm like, wait, how do we know each other? And, and and he was like, we went to high school together, remember? And I'm like, no, I didn't go to high school no, with you. No, we didn't. And, and so it turns out he didn't know me. But because he somehow recognized me, like probably the Holy Spirit just kind of gave it to him yeah, and made him feel drawn. comfortable, drawn. And because then it turns out we didn't go to high school together or anything. But <laughs> no. He stopped and he was determined to keep going. So it was cool. So anyway, so we had this conversation with him and, um, you know, the thing is everyone is like at a different place in their journey with the Lord. Right. So not every single time that you share the gospel, is that message going to look the same or is that message going to have the same response? But this guy was basically like, we start talking to him and he's like really interested in what we were saying, you know? And I, I told him the story. I was like, Hey man, this is going to sound crazy, but I saw you this morning in my head while I was praying to Jesus and thought I had to come out here and find you because I think the Lord wants to minister to you. And he's like, oh, oh okay. And um, so we start talking, we get to share with him. And he kind of was talking about how he has had a relationship with God, but we were just really straight up and we were like, Jesus is the only way. Like we can't just have our own relationship with God determined however we want. Like Jesus is the way to the father. And, um, and then we asked him what his full name was and his full name was Christian green. And I was just like, listen, man, there's all kinds of people that will tell you all kinds of things about Jesus, but like the God of, of Christianity, the God of the Bible, Jesus is the way. And your, you know, your last name is green. That's like the color, like that represents life. Like he is the way to life. And so then while we were talking, I also felt like the Lord just shared with me that give me a word of knowledge. So there's spiritual gifts that are supposed to be used for the purpose of reaching people. Okay. Mm. We take spiritual gifts out of context and we're like new car in Jesus name. Oh, new car. No, it's like the Lord gives you things for people so that they can know him. Right. It's for his glory. It's not about funsies. I mean, this was really fun, but, um, and the Lord was just sharing with me that he was struggling with anxiety and, um, some other things that were very specific. And we we asked him and, and we got, and we asked him and he's like, yeah, I struggle with that. And he was also living homeless somewhat. Like Mm -hmm. he would have to crash at people's houses. And so he really needed breakthrough, like in finances and in a job. So we were able to just pray with him Mm -hmm. and he felt so blessed. And, and then I texted him like a week later and I was like, Hey, so good to meet you know meet you and whatever and he didn't respond but then i texted him again like a couple days ago and he was like oh i've been thinking about you and your wife and and like i I was so blessed no he was like i actually really want to hang out with you guys again because i think it would be good for me so I'm going to try to get together with him again Yeah, and we're just going to pray that the lord just continues to move in that relationship you know and see what he does yes but wait i have more to the story yes sir oh you do are you giving us a time flag that's what I'm getting no, to. Oh yeah. So get to that. Okay. So so this caught, this was so great. The Lord was so there. I mean, uh, the presence of the Lord was awesome. So we're like, great. Da, 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 da. So he had to keep going to where he was going, and we decided. I, to walk. Well, I was like, maybe maybe the rainbow socks could have been a prophetic sign of, of like, like that he might struggle with some homosexual or something like, like that. thought thought patterns or yeah. whatever but we don't know about that and we didn't ask him we or pray into that we but into that. that's kind of what i was thinking right so we were kind of like okay maybe that was just like a spiritual like symbol for yeah. something in that picture or whatever so we're walking back and we're almost to the apartment and there's a homeless woman sitting like over by the wall and With she has rainbow, rainbow socks, socks on, on. <laughs> i'm not even kidding you <laughs> and josh and i go the rainbow socks <laughs> So she had I, her shoes off. Like too. literally her she shoes literally, are off. She just She's just kicking her feet out like in the road with the rainbow socks, rainbow socks right on. 
I was and, like, and come we on, Jesus. Like, we were both like, it, we felt like it was the confirmation yeah. that like that guy, Christian Green, was the guy from the dream. I mean, from the vision. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like the whole like bow was tied because we saw the rainbow <laughs> socks. We found that. But it, it, we also talked with her and got to like hang out with her for yeah. a while and buy her some like her favorite bag of chips and her favorite Coke because yeah. she just asked for that. Right. So. But anyways, nice. so we just like that's an example of i think um i miss a lot i miss a lot of opportunities to share the gospel right but when our hearts are like positioned in willingness and even in simple childlike faith like i could have been just like okay whatever you know and did you um, pray for a vision that morning or did it just no, pop in your head it just popped in my head okay yeah but i think those are things we can be saying like god show me who you want me to share the gospel with you know, we can be like pressing in, like God wants to communicate with us, right? Just like parents, you want to communicate clearly to your kids what you want them to do. Yeah. And so same thing with our father. He wants to communicate to us who we need to be sharing with, how, and all of that. And stuff. it's so. very exciting to be partnering with God. Like in those moments, you feel like, wow, like it's also a testimony to you that you get to have. Cause you're like, you're like I'm working I with saw God. this picture. It actually happened. Like we didn't have to run into anyone who looked remotely like the picture and like he was like dead on, but it, you know, it, it's just, you walk away being like, wow, like that actually happened. You know, there's a real God. So it's also a testimony. It increases faith. your faith. It increases yeah. your faith. Yeah. So I'll let Josh share about two other instances okay. that he's had lately. Um, so, and we're kind of short on time. Okay. I'll, I'll be quick. Okay. So one of them was like two, a uh, month or two ago and I was just out skating, uh, and just getting some exercise skating through the city. And I ended up, I, I went to this one spot that I had seen some skateboarders had like waxed some ledges. So I wanted to go there for a while and I went there and there was this guy sitting there and he like kept talking to me, but I was like in the groove. I had like my headphones on. So I'm like, man, this guy's kind of annoying me. I'm just skating. You know, I mean, just being honest, love because, like, we're just regular people that God uses, yeah. you know, like, I really just wanted to skate. I didn't want to like do something. But then after a while I was like sitting down, I was like so hot and sweaty and I was taking a break and he started talking with me more and more. And he was just a real talkative guy. And then he, I, I started asking him some questions, just, you know, what are you doing in St. Louis? He, he was actually traveling through um, and he just loves the Cardinals. So that's why he decided to go down there by the Cardinals stadium to sit and just hang out down there. And he started sharing a little bit how he had some drug problems and stuff like that. Like he found himself like just even though he's like, I don't want to do drugs, but somehow I end up keep doing them. And and I'm like, I can tell you exactly how that happens and what the fix for that is. And I was like sharing with him about like just the demonic and how, you know, drugs really open you up for like demons to keep oppressing you and i started sharing with him how the you know he believed in jesus or he had some knowledge of christ but or the bible but i i share with him more in depth of like my experience and how like we really need the holy spirit to come in and set us free from all that and jesus said he came to give us life and life abundant and all these other scriptures just started flowing because i find that if you guys if you guys step out if i step out in like on the edge or like in faith somehow scriptures start coming out of me like scriptures that i normally wouldn't be able to quote or something because it's just the holy spirit's like speaking through you to that person Mm -hmm. and that's the words of life and so scriptures start popping out of me like left and right for uh, to that guy pierre is his name and i was like do you believe this stuff that i'm sharing he's like yeah i'm like well do you want to give your life to christ and he's like yeah and i'm like really uh, i'm like you want to pray with me right people now sometimes i mean a lot of times they say no like yeah I mean, I mean most people say no because they're like i'm not ready or i know about right. that or they're just not like there yet but this guy was like yes i want to be set free i want to meet i want to meet jesus for real like you met him and i want that i want what you have like and so i prayed with him like the sinner's prayer um, and I was like, just pray this, you know, mean it in your heart and just talk to God. And, and he prayed it all the way through. And I also pray and he, I'm like, did you feel something? He's like, yeah, I felt something. I felt like a burning or like a peace and all these, all these different things. He's like, yeah, I feel different. I feel like, 
I'm a new person or something. He literally said that. Yeah, Josh FaceTimed me into the moment. And well, then... I, okay, then I, pray, then I also was like... Wait, I, I one more thing. Uh, then I was also like... I also want to pray for you for any kind of demonic attack and stuff. Because there is an enemy. So I made him aware that like Satan is going to try to come steal and kill and destroy. That's what he does. So he's going to try to steal that seed that was just planted in your heart. And so I also was like praying, uh, you know, against like a lot of like word curses and any kind of oppression that may come any kind of, so I I feel like that's something good to do too, because it's like, first you got to sow the seed, but you also have to stand guard. And I also, every time I have a kind of a divine appointment, I call them or like somebody like this, where it's a real good meeting. It's not just like, hey, blah, 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 you share the gospel and they don't receive it. But if it's a real good meeting and I feel like God set it up, then I put them in my phone and I call it my garden and I pray for them. I water, I water that seed, um, like for at least a couple of weeks until like I kind of move on or whatever. But, uh, I try to do that because then it's also not just like one seed sown, but you actually keep getting to water it in the spirit because we have to believe that prayer matters. And in part, you know, with evangelism, you have to keep praying into those things. I share about the Indian lady. Okay, so the other story, Quickly. real quick. Hannah and I were in Walmart, and uh, and we were both in bad moods. Correct? We were bo- yeah, we were yeah. both in pretty bad moods. So the Lord and- can use you even when you're in a bad mood. <laughs> okay. <laughs> exactly, True. There exactly. are some WalMarts that are like very spiritually oppressed. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> but if you walk into the Apple store, you feel like you're in the glory of God, right? right? Am I right or am I right? No, okay, so um, so we were in Walmart. I'm like, she was making a return, actually, for uh, something. And then I went over to, I was like, I'm so hungry. I have to eat. There's a subway in here. I'm going to the subway. So I went to the subway. I was standing in line. And there was this Indian man next to me. And I lived in India for a year. And I learned Hindi, like, every day intensely for like nine months. So I always love to try out my Hindi whenever I meet somebody. And so I'm like, oh, namaste, aap kese hai, bota chahe. And I'm just like talking with him. And he's like, oh, how do you know Hindi? Blah, blah. And uh, so I, I kind of take people off guard like that. But he was kind of like all into his sub. So he didn't really want to have a, <laughs> he really didn't want to have a conversation with me. So he kind of blew me off. Didn't want the he's bread like, of life. oh, cool. You live in India. Who cares? And, uh, <laughs> But then his wife was like more intrigued and she was like, she was kind of like bald. And I noticed on her wrist, she had like a hospital thing. And I was like, oh, I wonder if she had something happen or something. She's been at the hospital and, oh man, I'd like to pray for her. I, that, that kind of just popped into my heart, but I just didn't think there'd be time or whatever because it's subway and you just go through. But she like actually moved around her husband and like came and stood by me and she was like, Oh, how do you know Hindi? And she started talking to me more. And then we had a whole on conversation in Hindi. So I ended up like getting this. Well, here's what happened. So I was like, Oh, when, when was the last time you went to India? And she's like, Oh, I actually just came from there. And I'm like, Oh, why is that? And she's like, that's where my doctor is. And so I'm like, Oh, why'd you have to go to your doctor all the way in India? And she's like, I have, like cancer of the head or brain or whatever. I probably, I missed that word in Hindi, but we're, we're speaking all, all this is in Hindi. And I was like, well, my God can heal you. And my God is Yisuji, Prabhu Yisuji. And she was saying, uh, she's like, I'm like, Abjante Prabhu Yisuji, do you know Jesus? And she's like, no, I've never heard of Jesus. So I'm like, oh, well, let me tell you. So... <laughs> So in Hindi, which I, I just think is cool because it's her mother tongue, so I think it'll, it'll hit her a little bit harder in the heart. But I was telling her that Jesus was a, a man who came 2,000 years ago, and he claimed to be the Son of God, and, and his people uh, killed him, but it was God's plan to redeem man to God. And if you believe in him, and you believe in the work of the cross, and he, ra- he was raised from the grave on the third day, um, your sins will be forgiven. All the things you've done like that are against God will be forgiven. And she was like, oh, that's cool. Well, I'm like, well, let me pray for you. So I prayed for her in the name of Jesus in Hindi for healing. Um, so that's my story. I mean, in Walmart. And she was so blessed. And she just, you know, went on her way. But who knows what that seed may have planted. So it can be anywhere. 
So anyways. That's our testimonies. That, those are our testimonies from the past couple weeks. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. Okay, I do want to uh, look at the passage we began to look at last week in 1 Corinthians, if you want to turn there. Quickly, quickly. Last week we had the Lord's Supper and we looked at this passage which is commonly read at that time in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through really 34. But we focused, or I, I should say, I focused on verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so I pointed out that the, the three elements of evangelism, and uh, providentially, our, the testimonies today were about evangelism, right? Providentially, it really wasn't planned. We proclaim the Lord's death. So we, the witnesses, proclaim, that's the method, that's how you do it. And then the Lord's death is the subject. And we talked about proclaiming, um, pointing out that God's method is simple one-on-one or one-on-a-group, whatever. The point is that God's method is proclamation. Now, proclamation can be visual. It can be various visual arts. It can be uh, even sculptor. It can be you know, a variety of things. And all of these things can proclaim the gospel in some form. Um, and, and really, as Christians, we ought to think about uh, supporting and even using our music and art and photography and video and whatever skills we have to proclaim. But usually, the most common method, since we're not all artists, we're not all musicians, we're not all painters, the most common method is simple, simple proclamation in the sense of not screaming at somebody proclaiming, but just telling people about Jesus. Is speaking the words of life. In a Walmart, uh, to the person at lunch in the cafeteria at work, the guy across the cubicle from you, in the parking lot when you're talking to someone at work, uh, the cashier, the the attendant at, at a Walmart. We could go through many examples where we have all of these opportunities to share Christ with people, and it's just simple verbal communication. Now, you know, we, we who are, have been Christians for a while get used to the, uh, the Christian story, the Christian narrative, what we call the gospel. And at a later date, I want to unfold the meaning of the gospel more, but because of time, we're not going to do it this morning. But, you know, there's a, there's a, a, sh- a short version of the gospel, right, which is God loves you, you sinned, Jesus fixes the sin problem. You can come back to God and experience his love. Amen. Ba-boom. You know. And Paul even gives us that kind of outline of 1 Corinthians 15. He says that Jesus died according to the scriptures. He was risen from the dead according to the scriptures. And, you know, I mean, it's very simple. But then the gospel, in another sense, is everything as it relates to Jesus. Because Paul talks about Jesus about the unsearchable riches. Unsearchable. And as you, as you learn about Christ and learn about God, and, and really every time you read your Bible and you're learning and you're learning and you're learning, you're learning more about the gospel, really. The good news continues to be unfolded in his layers and layers and layers. But of course, you can't sit down with some, someone and give them a, a a 30-week course in systematic theology before they're saved. It usually doesn't work that way. When I got saved, like Josh, I was in the drugs and party and the whole thing, and the message that I heard was that if you die in your sin, you'll go to hell. Do you want to go to hell? I said to myself, no. Jesus Christ saves you from hell. Because it is your sins that, that, that cause you to go to hell. But Jesus Christ paid for your sins on the cross. When he died, God was actually punishing your sins on Jesus Christ. And he died for you. 
He was buried, but he came back from the dead. And he will give you eternal life if you receive him. Amen. Receiving him and receiving eternal life are really the same thing. And then when you die, you'll go to heaven. That was the gospel I heard. And I was saved. Boom. And I knew it. Boom. I knew I went from darkness to light. Now, is that the, is that the whole gospel? Not really. I mean, but it's enough of the gospel to save somebody. And I hear Christians all the time saying, well, I don't know enough to share. Dude, if you know what I just said, you know enough. If you, if you can say to somebody, Jesus Christ will save you from your sins, then you will know enough. And so and it doesn't, no, that's not a plea for not learning more and, and knowing more and being more articulate in giving the gospel. That's not what I'm saying. But my point is, if you are saved, you know enough. I think of the blind man, you know, Jesus healed the Pharisees who were interrogating him and said, who healed you? Who was this? And, and, and what did the guy say? John 9? He's like, I don't know. I only know this. I was blind, but now I see. I know this. You know something. Right? About Jesus if you're really saved. You know something. Then you share that something. So, we proclaim, we speak the Lord's death. Now, the Christian narrative is not this. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And one day he told his disciples he was going away, and so he just left. And said as he left, live as I lived. Amen. That's not the Christian message. Try this one. Jesus is born of a virgin, miraculous, baptized when he's 30, the Holy Spirit comes down. He goes off and he ministers, and he heals the sick. He feeds the hungry. He... he, gives us the perfect model of ministry. And then one day he says to the disciples, I'm leaving now. It's your turn. He blesses them and says, as he departs, minister as I ministered. Is that the gospel? Try this one. Jesus Christ is born of a virgin. He's baptized, receives the Holy Spirit when he's 30. He begins to teach and preach. And he gives the most sublime moral teaching, the most profound theological insights into God and his kingdom ever, ever heard by the ears of man. And after three years of teaching, he decides to depart and he says to the disciples, teach what I taught. And he left. Well, that's not the gospel either. Because what's missing from the the narrative of Jesus as a moral example, or what's missing uh, to to the story of Jesus as a model of ministry, or what is missing from the narrative of Jesus as the theological teacher, the thing that is missing from all of these narratives is Jesus' death. Thus, although it is true, Jesus is a perfect example, amen? Amen. It is true, we should live like him, amen? It is true that he is our model for ministry, amen? It is true, we should believe what he taught, amen? But without his death, it's not the gospel. If there is no death, there is no gospel. Now, Paul says we proclaim not the Lord's life, not the Lord's example, not even the Lord's teaching. We are proclaiming his death. Because it is in the death of Jesus that the sins of of God's people are atoned for. 
It is through the death of Jesus that the ransom is paid to redeem men from guilt and sin. It is through his death that captives are set free. Now, when I say his death, I'm not excluding his resurrection. Because when you read the Bible, a lot of times you get code words. Okay? The cross is, is a code phrase or code word. What's the cross? It's, a, it's just a piece of wood. What's a cross? Well, we know what the cross is. It's a phrase that stands for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the atonement. That's what the cross is. So when the scripture refers to his death, it doesn't just mean his death, although it does mean his literal death. It means his death and his atoning work and his resurrection and everything implied in that. So we see the, the scripture talks about Jesus being crucified. But it wasn't that he was just crucified and not resurrected. He was crucified, but he's also risen from the dead. So Paul says we proclaim the Lord's death, meaning we're proclaiming a literal death and a literal resurrection. But the, the, the thing that has to be explained to people is the significance of that death. What is the relationship of that death to me? Now, we don't have time to get into all that now. We'll do that in the near future. But the reason I'm, I'm, I'm emphasizing the, the, the discussion about the Lord's death is that there's very troubling trends around in evangelical, the evangelical community where uh, even Bible-believing teachers and preachers are downplaying the atonement of Jesus Christ. Not only downplaying it, but there are even now in, in certain circles a tendency to disparage the atoning work of Jesus Christ while at the same time saying, I believe in Jesus and I'm a Christian. For example, one very popular author in Britain referred to the death of Jesus on the cross. The idea that God would punish Jesus for the sins of the world. This idea he calls cosmic child abuse. And this is a very popular Christian author. The notion that Jesus would bear the sins of the world, that God would punish his own son, this idea now is becoming offensive even to many Christians. And so what, what, is, what, what is happening is that the gospel is being, as it always is, if we're not careful, it's being slightly, or sometimes even more than slightly, turned, twisted, Refined, fixed, reformed, helped along, whatever word you want to use. Modernized, made relevant. All in the process of then ultimately perverting and twisting the gospel. Every time the church has tried to improve the gospel, we have perverted it. Every time. The thing we must understand about the gospel and about the death of Jesus is that, is that the, the, the death of Jesus is an offense to man. It is an offense to the natural man. People, Many people believe in God who do not believe in Jesus. Many people believe in Jesus that don't really believe in the atonement of Jesus. Because the cross, Paul says... He uses the phrase, he talks about the offense of the cross. If you tell someone they're a sinner, they'll tolerate it, as long as they think they can fix it. But if you say you are a sinner and you are helpless, do you understand? You are helpless. You cannot fix yourself. You cannot fix your situation. You cannot fix your relationship with God. You cannot get yourself to heaven. You are helpless. You need the grace of God in your life. That strikes at the root of our pride. And that is the offense of the cross. See, what the cross really tells us is that the sin problem is so bad so bad that the only remedy the only remedy was the death of God's own son if that's the remedy how bad's the problem you hearing me 
It wasn't just that he gave us guidelines and doctrines and examples. Those are valuable for the Christian that's really saved. But as, as Lewis pointed out, uh, he said, if you, if you want to know how bad you are, try to be good. <laughs> Basically. We're, we're undone. We're unsavable from a human point of view. That's really what the gospel says. And so the cross is an offense. But that's why it's an offense. But, but the cross is the solution. The death of Jesus. The shed blood of Jesus. Now, the, the gospel has been attacked for a long time for this notion of shed blood. Okay? And people, but nowadays, it's very much attacked, even in evangelical circles. The idea that God would want blood, this is a barbaric, ancient idea. We understand how the Jews believed it, and, and the Hittites, and, the, and these ancient cultures. And Yeah, okay, but we're modern. Okay? We're, even, we're even postmodern. That idea of shed blood is not only antiquated, but the idea of shed blood is really uh, barbaric and it's really offensive. But what does the Bible say? Now, if you're going to be a Christian and you're going to claim to believe the Bible, then you have to know what it says, right? Jesus said, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. In Acts, Paul says that the church was purchased by God's own blood. Romans 3.25 says that propitiation, that is God being appeased with us, is by Christ's blood. Romans 5.9 says that we're justified by Christ's blood. Ephesians 1.17 says redemption is through Christ's blood. Ephesians 2.13 says we are brought near to God by Christ's blood. Colossians 1.20 says that we have peace with God through Christ's blood. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Hebrews 10.19 says, We enter into the holiest of all boldly, how? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.19 says, We are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. 1 John 1.7 says, The blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. Revelation 1.5, Jesus Christ loved us and he washed us from our sins by his own blood. And that's why it says in Revelation 12.11 that they, the saints, overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb. And if you take the cross out of Christianity, and if you take the blood, and I mean a literal blood on a literal cross, then you do not have a gospel, you do not have an atonement, you do not have forgiveness, you do not have redemption, you do not have reconciliation, you do not have a, a reunion and relationship with the God of the Bible. The death of Jesus is not peripheral. It is the entrance into the Holy of Holies. It is the foundation. That's why Jesus is the foundation stone of the temple that God is building. Because of his work on the cross. It is that that we proclaim. The death of Jesus. The shed blood of Jesus. And if you're not hearing about the shed blood, if you're not hearing about sin, if you're not hearing about the atonement in, in the things you're listening to on the radio or in the books you're reading, then you need to, to beware. Because even the church is downplaying the atonement, minimizing the work of Christ. And so the gospel in our culture becomes a gospel of prosperity, a gospel of success, a gospel of happiness, a gospel of all of these things that benefit us in this life. Now, I believe the gospel does benefit us in this life. But Jesus didn't come just to give us a good life. 
Because this life is a blink. James says our lives are like a vapor. How long does a vapor last? Well, a second or two. And then it's gone. That's our life. But our eternity is forever. Forever. Let me read one passage and then we're going to close. Uh, this is another, another, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul uh, is talking about the gospel or, yeah, we'll just use the phrase the gospel. That's a code word, right? The death of Jesus, code word. Crucified, code word. Blood, code word. They're all about the atonement. What Jesus Christ did on the cross, including his burial and resurrection. Verse 17 of chapter 1, he says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Notice the word gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. So notice, gospel, cross. For the message of the cross, here's that code again, the cross. He's talking about the gospel, the cross. Is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of the age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. Notice it doesn't say the world through ignorance didn't know God. The world through wisdom didn't know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. The Jews request the sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Crucified. To the Jews they stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now, just pause a moment. Just think about how silly the gospel really sounds. You walk to them, hey, there was this Jewish guy that walked around in sandals for a couple years and gave people bread when they were hungry, and uh, just believe in him, and hey, you'll live forever. What the heck does uh, some obscure Jew that lived in Palestine 2,000 years ago have to do with my eternal destiny? No, really. Well, he died on the cross. Well, so what is that? So what? What's, I mean, the, the significance of the life and death of Jesus has to be interpreted by God himself. Right? So it sounds foolish upon when you first hear it. It's like, huh? Then he goes on, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. The base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. So God chooses people like the the black guy that they talk to or the homeless lady. God chooses foolish people. He chooses weak people. He chooses broken people. But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That, as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come in excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Again, proclaiming the death Proclaiming the blood, proclaiming the cross, proclaiming the atonement. Jesus Christ died a literal death, shedding literal blood. And the value of that blood was infinite because he was the God-man. Human blood, divine significance. And he was buried, but death could not hold him. And he rose from the dead to demonstrate and prove that he had conquered the power of sin, thus the grave, because the grave is the result of sin. If you can defeat the grave, you can defeat sin. Sin puts you in the grave, right? 
Because the wages of sin is what? Death. You defeat death, you've really defeated sin. And so, to those who believe in him, meaning in that blood, in that cross, in that burial, in that resurrection, he grants to them eternal life. And eternal life, of course, is inseparable from Christ himself. Because when someone truly puts their faith in Christ, they come to know him. Now, when I got born again, Jesus came into my life, my heart, whatever phrase you want to use, and a lot of people criticize these phrases about Jesus coming in your heart, whatever. I got saved. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, I really did meet Christ. Now, did I, did I, how much did I know about Jesus at the moment? Well, nothing. I just knew he was there and something was happening to me. And so the Christian life is just an unfold, constant unfolding of who he is and what he's done. So Jesus gives you eternal life. He forgives you, but he gives you himself in the person of his Holy Spirit, and his Spirit comes to abide with you. And so you're saved, really saved, really transformed, really changed. And then, as we said last week, there were three elements here, right? There's the, the we, the witness, proclaim the method, the Lord's death, the message. So we come full circle. Jesus saved me so that I would be here today talking to you. Jesus saved the person that led me to Christ. And they led me to Christ. And I've led hundreds of people to Christ. And those hundreds of people, I don't know how many hundreds they've led to Christ. So it goes full circle, right? Some of you have never shared Christ with anyone. And your circle is broken. You're like a a, a pipe that's clogged up. Because God wants to pour in you, but he only wants to pour in you to pour through you. He's got to pour through you. When Hannah was praying, she got she got the she called it a vision. She got a picture, got a word picture. I've had those many times. But I can tell you this: that if if she didn't respond to that word picture, and then maybe a week later when she's praying, she got another and she didn't respond, and then sometime later she got another and didn't respond. Guess what would happen? No more pictures. No more proddings. No more promptings. No more leadings. Because you won't follow. So, we proclaim the Lord's death. Who's the we? It's we. It's us. It's not an imaginary we. It's us. So, they're, they're one of the most encouraging things that happened to me this week. Actually, maybe the most encouraging thing. Maybe the only encouraging thing happened. I think about it. Is I was talking to somebody who heard the sermon last week. And they said, Yep. I said, I started praying for the guy working next to me. Like, that's cool. He said, Yeah, you know your sermon. Talking about sharing the Lord is I need to start praying for the people I work with. It's really that simple. But it's really that profound. And so we proclaim the Lord's death. Let's stand and pray together. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being able to address you. We know it's because of the finished work of your son Jesus. And we thank you for his shed blood. We thank you that when he died, he was dying for us. And I ask, Lord, for any here that don't know Christ, your son, any here that have never asked sincerely to be saved, to be forgiven, I ask that you grant them understanding now. 
that you would open their hearts to receive your son Christ and his work for them that he accomplished on the cross. I pray that they would understand that that shed blood was specifically for them. That it was personally for them. And that they would embrace Christ, your son, with a very real personal faith. Lord, how great is your love that you would call us to yourself, that you would call us your children, that you would give us your only son to make us sons and daughters. We thank you, Lord. And we also want to pray, Lord, for those we know that don't know you. Co-workers, siblings, spouses, children. We pray for them, and I pray, Lord, that you would move in their lives to open them to your gospel. But I pray for us to be sensitive and willing to be ready to speak when prompted to speak. When you grant us these opportunities, that we would, we would take advantage of them and realize that we have divine appointments to fulfill to lead men and women to you. We pray this in your name. Amen.